Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is here to connect people with Jesus and with each other. If you're looking to get connected, you can find more info at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from Pastor Josh. Well, good morning, Harbor Church. Hope you guys are doing well today. Man, welcome. Welcome. So glad you're here. If uh, this is your first time at Harbor, or maybe you're tuning in online to check us out that way, or maybe you're just listening to the podcast, my name is Josh Adams, and uh, I'm the pastor here at Harbor Church. I'm thrilled that you're with us. We are concluding a series that we've done called uh, Not Today, Satan. So I'm excited about this. Uh, we're going to jump into it here in just a second. But I, I like to ask a couple questions to get you going. So those of you that are here, or if you're online, you want to drop an emoji or something, you can use that. I just want to take a quick poll. This this coming uh, Friday is Valentine's Day, so this one is just for the ladies, okay? Ladies, just out of curiosity, if you had to pick between uh, uh, two different ty- types of gifts, one being the, the, most, the, the two traditional Valentine's gifts, either flowers or chocolates, sweets, maybe you don't like chocolates, but you like you know, something sweet, how many of you would say, I would, I'd rather have flowers? Like, flowers is the thing I, I would like to have. How many of you would say... I'd rather have something sweet. I want some chocolates or some candy, something like that. All right, cool. That had nothing to do with today's message. I have another real question. That was just for all the brothers out there. One, some of you are like, I didn't know it was Valentine's Day. Check one. Two, some of y'all should have been looking going, oh, no, don't, don't buy flowers or don't buy whatever. Just trying to help you out. I love you. All right, here's a real question for you that actually relates to what we're talking about today. How many of you, uh, and this is for everybody, how many of you have ever, uh, while driving a car, actually run out of gas? Not like coasted into the gas station, coasted home, but like dead on the side of the road. Come on, put it up, own it, own it. It's a learning experience. That's not even half. Wow, I thought for sure it'd be like way more than that. Some of you are good. That light comes on. You're like, I'm buying a gas station. Others of you are like, let's find out how far that light goes. Let's see what we can do with this. Like, and I get that. There's two different kinds of people. But um, if you've never felt the pain of running out of gas, um, let me, and you could ask some of the people that raised their hand, there's, there's nothing quite as disconcerting as, as having a vehicle that just in, in an instant becomes useless. It's just a, it goes from like getting you from A to B to being just a giant paperweight. And, and, and it was simply the fact that it ran out of gas. And so um, I, I set that up to say this. We've looked at all the different ways that Satan loves to attack us. And we set up from the very beginning, we set up in week one that we need to know our enemy. Because the Bible says that we're in spiritual warfare. That you and I go into spiritual warfare every day. Um, and it's, it's not against the things that we can see, the stuff that's flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers. Satan is waging a war against you. Um, he hates you, and we described the idea that if you're going to go into war, I'm going to bookend this whole series on, on kind of like this battle mentality. We looked at Sun Tzu, who wrote The Art of Warfare. At the beginning, he said, know your enemy. So what we talked about is Satan is known in the Bible by a lot of things, but primarily he is a, he's a destroyer, he's a deceiver, and he's a devourer. And we talked about these three characteristics every week in this series. We've talked about how he comes with delusions to, to, to deceive you, how he comes with detachment to make sure he can, he can trick you or break you down. He comes with discouragement and how he come after Job and just hit him with one thing after the other. Um, it, we, we, we looked at, and when we try to, man, as we try to get into all the, the ways that Satan comes after us, last week we talked about how he uses people to distract us, 
and people are a big problem for us to deal with. And I said that one might be easy to resonate. This week, I think you need to understand one of the ones that I believe Satan is using the most that we are more blind to than any of the others, and that's depletion. As Satan comes after you, I believe he loves to use, especially on believers, he loves to use the tool of depletion, of making you worn out, to get you to run out of gas. If I have to go to battle against somebody, I don't want them in fighting shape. I want them exhausted. I want them run down. As I said, I was, I was going to bookend it with like this war strategy. Sun Tzu not only said, know your enemy. He said the best way to fight an enemy is to cut off their supply lines, get them as ragged as possible, and then attack them. This has been common throughout all, all, all mankind. Different great leaders have found a way to beat stronger armies by simply, simply taking advantage of their soldiers. The Crusaders had big, long iron swords, I mean, these, these huge metal swords, and they had, uh, they had the, the, uh, their, um, their armor, they had their chainmail. Their horses had armor and chainmail. They could mow through a standing army. And when they went toe-to-toe with the Saracens, they could just, I mean, man, it was, it was, it was a slaughter. So what, they, what the Saracens did, they were like, hey, come fight us, throw something at them, and then they'd run into the desert. And as big and bad as that, that Crusader army was, you can't ride horses all weighted down with armor through the desert for very long. They would just keep taking a step back, taking a step back, and that army marching through the desert was just wearing themselves out, getting further and further away from their water, getting further and further away from the things that they needed, getting more and more tired every day just trying to hunt down this enemy. And they did it strategically, and this is, this is all throughout mankind. Different, different great leaders have found a way to do this. And I think Satan, who is a master deceiver, whose entire intention is to destroy you, has come up with ways to do that. Now, let me remind you, when we say he's a devourer, we talk about this from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8. We use this at the very beginning. Stay alert is what the Bible tells us. The Bible refers to Satan as a lion looking for his next meal. And you and I, we are not lions. We are lamb chops, okay? If you think this series is about, I'm going toe-to-toe with Satan, that's not how it works. Satan is a, is a, is a big-time opponent who doesn't play fair. The only thing is that the Bible also calls Jesus the line of Judah, and he's the big dog. And so as long as we understand that this entire series is not about you finding a way to beat Satan in your own power, but how all of the different things that Satan comes after you with, Jesus has already conquered those. But that's easy for me to say. It's hard for you and I to live it out day in and day out. But I also want to remind, not only are we talking about Satan as this devourer, the one who... who it looks for a way to deplete you of your time, your energy. He, he looks at you every week and finds a way to drain you of your patience. Anybody? Your money, your love. He's looking for ways to just poke holes in your tank so that when it comes time for you to actually stand up and do something, you're exhausted. You're broken down. You're defeated before you even get to the battlefield. I know I'm speaking to somebody today. I know that's got to resonate. You don't even feel like fighting for your marriage because you're too tired of, of just living your life. You don't even feel like going on mission to love your kids the way you're supposed to because you, you've had such a week that drains you. There's so many times you know the right thing to do, and man, you're just exhausted. Okay, one person's with me today. <laughs> the rest of y'all are looking at me like, Pastor, you just lazy. I am not like that. <laughs> Whatever. All right. Let me, let, me, let me just kind of, I'm trying to close up this series. I, want, I don't want you to forget what we started with. 
So remember John 10, 10. We, we talked about the idea that not only is Satan this, this devourer, but it says that he's a thief. It says the purpose of the thief is to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus' purpose was to, give, was to give us a life, a rich and satisfying life. But look at the description of what the thief does, and the thief is here, here is talking about Satan. It says he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. There is a part here that I, I, I want to kind of focus in on is, is that he steals from you, he depletes you, and it's because that's the thing that you're least aware of. If I'm going to rob somebody, I'm not trying to trip the alarm. I want to rob them blind. I don't, want to, I don't want them to be aware. When you have something stolen from you, it's usually because you didn't feel it or didn't see it or didn't know about it. The attacks, the, the kill and destroy, that feels like more. I'm in the ring. I'm, I'm going. I, I've got it coming head on. The steal part of that is the part that you're oblivious to. <coughs> excuse me sorry about that especially for those of you listening uh, <clears throat> have you guys ever seen you guys ever seen those game shows where they put somebody in a in a like a phone booth like a plexiglass phone booth and have all the dollar bills and they turn the fan on nobody okay a few of you okay a few of you see how we interact that's how that works all right or else this illustration goes nowhere but I remember shows like, like they put like all, these, all this money in there and sometimes they even offer them like, hey, we'll give you like $500 or you can go in the, in the, the whatever they call it, the, the cash tube, the whatever, and then you can see how much you can grab in a minute. And they'd see it just packed full of all these like dollar bills, $100 bills, all these things. And people would all go in there. And then they turn the fan on and you watch them act like an idiot for, for a minute. <laughs> and like trying to pin them to the wall and everything's blowing out of their hands. And they walk out with $4 and they're like... They, by the way, they've done this at Chuck E. Cheese now. They took it for kids. They put them in a tube and they put the tickets and they put the tickets on a van. I watched them. I watched like five years. I was like, oh, this is great. And I'm like, hey, man, whatever, whatever, whatever entertains you. But there's something about it in our mindset that says, I'm so busy. Look at all the things I'm grabbing that you don't realize you just wasted a ton of energy and got very little for it. Now, I'm speaking some truth. I'm doing it in a joking way, but I'm speaking some truth today that you need to resonate with. It goes, hey, maybe the devil's got me all spun up week in and week out just doing this, and I look really busy, don't I? Man, I look, I'm doing some great stuff. And then you walk out with $4, and God's going, I had 500 for you before you walked in there, and we don't even realize what we're missing out on because we got, he, he's such a master deceiver. He's so good at making us oblivious to the fact that he's stealing from us let me remind you of a story there's a story that kind of jesus sets us up and he uses some of his closest friends to illustrate it it says this in, in luke chapter 10 and if you're not familiar with this jesus uh, would travel around with his disciples and he'd have some some people some followers that really loved him and would open up their home to him and then there's these sisters, Mary and Martha, who had the brother Lazarus. Maybe you remember him. They all together would invite Jesus in. And this is where that story takes place. So in verse number 38, <clears throat> excuse me, if you don't have a Bible, I'll put it up on the TVs and the screens for you. It says, while they were traveling, talking about Jesus and his disciples, he entered into a village. A woman named Martha welcomed him, welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also Sat at the Lord's feet. By the way, this is incredibly countercultural. Women didn't get to sit at rabbi's feet, but Jesus isn't sexist. He's sitting there going, man, he's, he's, he's showing this, he's this great teacher, great compassion. So something unique has already happened. He's even allowing Mary to sit there. And it says she was sitting at his feet listening to what he said. But Martha, now here's the cool part of the story, or the, the part that I think you might be able to connect with. Martha was distracted. 
She was distracted because she's an evil person. No, it says she's distracted by her many tasks. Come on now, busy people. She's got Jesus in her home. Oh, you would be a little like keyed up too. Like, hey, did we clean the car? Oh, we did? Okay, just push that in the closet, shut that door. Jesus is here. Uh, it says she came up to Jesus and she asked God or Lord, why don't you take care of my sister? Why don't you look at, look at how busy I am. He says, my sister's left me alone. Do you not care that I'm doing all of this work? I'm setting the table and I'm cooking a meal. I'm trying to do all this stuff. And she's just sitting there. And you could feel the sisterly tension in this. Like, Mary, <laughs> tell her to give me a hand. By the way, never a good idea to boss Jesus around. Just throwing that out there. Don't look down on Mary or Martha. I've heard, you know, some, some, this is what I'm praying for. Stop. Um, she, she tries to tell him, and it says, Jesus said this, Martha, Martha. And whenever you see somebody's name repeated twice, it's like saying, my dear Martha. It's, it's a compassionate way of saying, hey, Martha, man, I love you. You're worried and upset about many things. Once again, the idea, if I can just keep busy with so much stuff, I'll please God or I'll be a good person, I'll do it. One thing is necessary. She had many tasks, is what it said. And Jesus goes, one thing is necessary. But wait a second, I gotta cook. I, I know I've gotta get, get the, the meal done, but I've also gotta make sure that you guys are, are taken care of. I wanna be a good host. I, and, then, and what about getting you guys some, some stuff to travel with? I mean, man, I got, I got 20 things. What do you mean one thing is necessary? One thing is necessary, and Mary made the right choice. Mary made the right choice, and it's not gonna be taken away from her. And this is where I struggle, and maybe some of you would too, because if Jesus was coming to my house, I would have 20 things I would be like, I gotta make sure all of this works, because Man, you just key off all the different elements and the things you got to do and the ways it's got to go and, and the way everything needs to work together. But I think in this story, and if it's magnified to your and I's life day in and day out, Satan loves to have the Marthas miss out on what it is that the Marys found. And I see a lot of churches filled with people who are missing that one necessary thing. I see a lot of believers, a lot of Christians, a lot of people who say they love God or love Jesus don't actually understand that one necessary thing because they have so many tasks. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad about those tasks. I'm trying to help you understand you're missing what's important. Now, to understand, to help you understand what it is you're missing, and this is something I'm still struggling with, but man, as God put this message on my heart, I wanted to, I wanted to try to find some ways to help you understand it. So I'm going to give you a visual illustration here in a second. But I, I want to set it up. This is what Romans chapter 12 says in verse number 2. It's, it's trying to get us to, to understand Satan tricks us by making us feel like we need to do what everybody else does. You and I have the same temptation. Every person in this room, every person listening to this right now has the same temptation to look around and to do what other people are doing. And that's why Romans chapter 12 verse number 2 says, don't copy the customs and the behaviors of this world. Don't look around and do what everybody else is doing. Instead, let, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Right now, you have to make a decision. If you're going to walk out of this room, or you're going to finish listening to this message and be a different person, or continue to do what you've always been doing. The choice is yours. God gives us his plan and his word, but he leaves it up to you and I if we're going to actually apply it and make a life change. So as you struggle through today's message... It's up to you if you're going to allow God, let God transform you by changing the way you think. That's how you're going to know what God's will is for you. 
have so many pe- people that sit down, Pastor, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with my health, my finances, my marriage, my kids, my life. And we all have all these problems. And, and most of it comes back, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what God's trying to tell me to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, you will know, you'll learn what God's will is for you, what's good and pleasing and perfect, when you stop worrying about what everybody else is doing and you let him transform you by changing the way you think about things. <coughs> Man, I apologize. We have to understand how it is the world thinks and then stop doing that. We grow up with it. It's where, everywhere we look. It's all the people we work with, the things we run into, the music we listen to, the TV shows we watch. Everything around us is training us to think the same and act the same, to have the same value system. The world says, hey, go after it, grab it, get all you can while you can. My son has the same mindset. He's three. Come some slack. I make him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and sit him down with a glass of milk. That kid is always thirsty. And I watch him grab the milk, pound it, and then look at me. And I'm like, that's your cup of milk, son. Good luck with that peanut butter sandwich now. And I watch him. Can't get it off the roof of his mouth. I'm like, you should have paced yourself, brother. Like, he's learning. He's learning. But the same way a little kid, you know, doesn't really understand, man, maybe I should you know, take care of this and put this in the right order. You and I sometimes go all out after something and Satan's like, yeah, yeah, go get that. That's all you. And, and I watch people throw away their homes, their marriages, their families going after something. I watch people throw away their health, their reputation, trying to gain something that, that just looks appealing to them in the moment. Come on. And they don't, they don't stop to think, man, maybe I shouldn't go all out after this just because it looks good to me or I think it's going to be the thing that I need. Maybe I need to actually stop and go, is this the right thing? God, is this your will for me? Or is this how the rest of the world operates and it's not actually what you have for me? And Satan's going, oh, no, don't ask God. You do what looks good to you. You do that. You do you. The, uh, I love Paul is trying to teach a, a, a young up-and-coming uh, preacher named Timothy when he writes the books of First and Second Timothy to him. And so he uses, like I said, this very uh, easy to kind of reckon, recognize military strategy and, and terminology. When he's talking to, to Timothy about serving God, he goes, Timothy, and this is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 4, he's talking to him about a soldier. He goes, hey, soldiers, soldiers that are in active service, soldiers who, are, who know that the enemy is around them and can attack them at any time, soldiers going off to battle is what he's saying here in this, this mindset. He goes, they don't, they don't entangle themselves in, in the modern day, in the everyday affairs, in, in different versions might say civilian affairs. If you're on mission, if you're a soldier, you don't get wrapped up in what everybody else is doing. The soldier who was enlisted by this officer, and you got to kind of understand the, the way the military worked back then, he said, their job, if you, if you were called to action because there was somebody about to attack your town or whatever, your job was to make sure that your commanding officer knew he could count on you. And that you didn't, you didn't let down the other people that, that you were supposed to be standing in line with. You're called to battle. You're, you weren't worried about, like, the, when they call charge, everybody's running. Did I leave the toaster on? I, you know, and I'm, I'm making a joke because, like, uh, who would do that? Like, if you're running into, like, a straight-on assault, like, nobody's thinking about civilian stuff. Well, on the spiritual uh, level, what Paul's talking about is when we know that we're called to be in God's army, to go toe-to-toe with Satan and all the evil that's in this world. When God has called you and I, every one of us that says we believe in him, 
And I recognize maybe you're here today, you're listening today, and you don't know if you believe in God. You don't know if you can trust Jesus as your Savior. I understand that some of you are working through that. I'm just glad you're listening. I'm glad you're here. And I hope you understand that's the single most important decision you'll ever make to invite Jesus Christ into your life. For those of you that have done that, that have surrendered to Jesus to allow God to be a personal Lord and Savior to you, then what, you, what you've done is you've signed up to be on that team. Now, being a part of that team, wearing that jersey, the Christian jersey, the Bible says God's already won the war, but we've got these battles that we're fighting with Satan. In this day-to-day battle, it might hit you on the way to work. It might be a conversation at home. You're supposed to go in and be the person that shines the light. Satan hates that. He wants you distracted with everything other than light shining. And I guarantee you, if you're a soldier fighting against Satan, he wants your mind not on your commission, not on pleasing the one who's called you into service, not worrying about what God's best is for you. What he wants is he wants you thinking about all the things that everybody else thinks about. And like, oh man, what am I going to do when I get home? What am I going to do with this? How, about, how happy am I? Oh my, what about my retirement? All this. Everybody else who isn't in that battle is thinking about all this other crap that doesn't matter. And if you stop swinging your sword and you go, yeah, what am I going to do with that? Guess what? Whoop, you're dead. He's got you. You're, you're, you're so vulnerable to attack when you, when you don't realize how much he distracts you and depletes you and drains you. This is, this is what he loves to do. Let me uh, read to you from Matthew chapter 6 for a second. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat and eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Do you understand the parallel here? Satan loves for you to consume yourself with the things that he can steal from you. His, his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. How can he get to the things? How can he actually steal from you? He can't steal from you when you're doing God's work because that's laid up in heaven. He can steal the stuff from you when it's earthly things. When you're laying all your treasures up here on earth, when everything that's of value to you is earthly, Satan can steal it from you. Guys, that'll preach all day. I don't even have to keep going. And like you're looking at, listen, I, I watch people just so consumed. You're breaking yourself. You're stressing it. You're, you're, you're fried. You're depleted. You're, you're drained. You're ruining relationships left and right. You have, you have, you're so far from God's happiness and joy in your life. Why? Because you, just like all the rest of the world, are consumed with all the things that when you die, they're probably going to rust away or somebody else is going to take them. That's what you are killing yourself for is things that you can't take with you. And Satan loves it because he's got you so consumed with the things he can steal from you that even if you die with them in your possession, you don't take them with you and you still don't get them. He's got you. We're so naive to it. It says don't do that. Instead, wherever your treasure is, understand this, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. This is important because it works both ways. Your heart is going to pursue after the things that you value. Satan knows this. Jesus knew this. Jesus was more concerned with people's hearts than he was with all the other stuff. When he's talking to Martha about all the things that she's doing, he knew that she had good intentions. But he said, listen, Mary's heart is to be close to me. And right now your heart is about all the things you can accomplish. And it was, it, she had good motivation for what she wanted to accomplish, don't get me wrong, but she was sacrificing closeness with God in order to accomplish things for God. 
Man, I could preach, by the way, I could preach this to a room full of pastors, and it would be even more, like, I, I'm, I'm more guilty of this, I would say. So don't think I'm putting you down. There's so many times I get so busy doing things for God that I, I, I fail to be close to God. Everybody is susceptible to that. And, this, and that's because we, we don't understand that when we begin to love things and pursue things, we can say we love God, but our heart is drawn to what we actually treasure. Some of you care so much about your social media presence, you can't truly claim you love God when you look more for how many likes you get than how many times you can actually have a conversation with God. I mean, I just, I just, you, just, you are, you're consumed, your heart is drawn to what everybody else thinks about you. Some of you are, you can say you love God, but you, 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 you revolve yourself around how to manipulate your job so that you get a better title or your company grows or you make more money. I love God. No, you, lo- you love success. And we begin to, to miss out on what it really means to have a heart that goes after what it is that God's called us to. Look at verse number 24 of the same passage. No one can serve two masters. Nobody. And Satan knows this, and he wants to pull you because some of us, we get in this idea like, I love God, but I'm also going to love myself and do this stuff. And what you don't realize is you just left the battlefield and you, you can tell yourself you're, you're serving God all you want, but you can't serve two masters. You can't serve yourself and serve God. And Satan knows that if he comes up to you and goes, hey, come serve me, come worship me, most of you are like, I'm not going to worship Satan. So he doesn't come at you with that. He comes at you with, hey, you do you. You deserve this. You, you have a pity party for yourself. Go do that. And then you're like, yeah, I do. And we go over there and we sulk. Or he goes, oh, you, you, you deserve more praise. And then we go over in our ego. As long as we can focus on us, as long, it doesn't matter who go whatever end of the spectrum he can, as long as he can get us to focus on us, then he knows that we're not serving the, the master we're supposed to. No one can serve two masters. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And truthfully, the times where I, I begin to really care about what Josh wants and what Josh needs and what Josh isn't getting or what I think Josh deserves, I, wouldn't, I won't come out and say I hate God, but my heart begins to resent that God is calling me to something else. Like, God, like Martha, don't you care what Mary's doing to me? It's, in, in a moment, we attack God. And you wouldn't say it out loud, but your heart, you despise God. The more you love yourself... The byproduct is you actually begin to resent God in your life. That's why it's easy to not read your Bible. It's easy to not pray. It's easy to skip church because the more you serve yourself, the more, the more you dislike God in your, in your business. Got wicked quiet in here. <laughs> Verse 25 says this. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more... Isn't life more than, than drink or clothes? Isn't it more than food for your body, more than that kind of stuff? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you way more valuable than birds? And then verse 27 is the one we should probably all like get tattooed on us somewhere. Listen, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Man, Satan knows that your worries don't add anything, but guess what he wants to do? He wants you to spend all that time, and he knows it doesn't add anything to you, but it drains you. It drains you away from being able to serve God and follow after God. And so he, he's called you to that. Now, I want to I demonstrate this in a different way. So um, I'm going to ask a couple people to come up and join me. Um, yes, Mike and uh, Liz, why don't you guys come up on stage for me? Yeah, give them a little round of applause. It's always awkward to be called out. 
Now, I have yet, Mike, if you'll stand on my right, I'll have Liz stand on my left. And so you come over there. My right. Your right? My right. And uh, I'm going to try to illustrate something. I'm, I'm, I haven't really done well with illustrations but um, in the past, but I'm so visual that I got to imagine a few of you out there are visual. And so I kind of want to like help you out instead of just being uh, an all, always audio preaching. All right. So here we go. I want to, to take some eggs and I want them to represent the things that we get consumed with worrying about, the things that we, we begin to try to hold on to. The Bible just told us, hey, don't worry about all that stuff. But do we actually look like that on a given day? So um, I'm going to have you demonstrate trying to hold on to as much as you can. We'll see how, how much stuff. You look like you're pretty capable, Mike. So um, let's try this. All right, I'm just going to grab a couple. So this first one says education. All right, so maybe you're working uh, at, on, on trying to get smarter, get a different degree, get through school. I don't, you know, but you're a teenager, you might be older in here. Oh, here, this one says future. So that's something a lot of us worry about. You got to worry about your future. Hold on to those. Those are important. You got to, I mean, hopefully you're smart and hopefully you, you got something going for you. Uh, this one says marriage, relationships. Well, dude, you got to hold on to that. That's important. Maybe, you know, the, the person you love, your spouse, some of your, your dating right now, whoever that might be. Man, this one says career, Mike. This is your career. That's an important thing. Many of you can relate to this. This is, these are some things that we are trying to make sure we don't drop, Right? Now, don't laugh at Mike. This is you. You're Mike, okay? We're, we're holding on. Don't, don't drop it, Mike. Man, this one says other people's expectations. Maybe that'll resonate with somebody. What are other people? Man, I, I've got, I mean, I, I, my reputation. What are, what are people doing with that? Uh, this one says family. Man, that's important. Maybe you're in here, you got kids, maybe your, your brothers, your sister, something like that. Um, parents, something like that. Your family's very important. This one says health. Man, some of us got to worry about that. Man, make sure you stay in shape, Mike. You know, keep, keep, take care of that, okay? How's, how are you doing? How many you got there? That's seven? That's pretty good. Can you handle any more? Okay, all right. It's getting cocky. Okay, hey, man. Here's some friendships. So not just random people, what random people think. Like, friendships. You got to, man, I got to, man, how many of you feel that stress? I got to keep up with the people in my life. If I don't go out and grab a coffee with them, they're going to stop being my friend. I mean, we got, we've got that. We got that expectation. Um, and then reputation, that kind of fits in there. You know, what, is, what are people saying about me? Um, how about this one? My relaxation. What, what am I actually going to do to take a break? That's important. Hold that. Looks like you're, okay, you're doing all right. Doing all right. Um, man. <laughs> Begin to feel that pressure. This one says God. I mean, that's got to be, I mean, I'm a pastor. I got to put that, like, I got to care about God. Tuck God in right there, okay? You know, got to make sure I have some, some faith in my life, some religion there. Um, oh, how about finances? This is, a, this is a, something we're trying to juggle, right? Don't drop this, Mike. Don't drop that. Man, you know, that's, that's hold those tight. I don't want you to run in there. Um, you know, I didn't write on all of these because I know that some, some of you get lost in the illustration. I don't know what your thing is. Maybe it's, it's the health of your parents. Maybe it's a stressor that I can't mention. Maybe it's something, something at home that's, that's really going on that you don't want to share out loud, but you know you begin to juggle. Begin to juggle, man. Uh, you know, here. Can you maybe hold one more? Let's put it up here. Can you hold that? <laughs> All right. Don't just, Mike, you think you can, can you carry any more? I'm good. Oh, he's good. He's, All right, Mike's maxed out. But Mike, I had more eggs for you, bro. How, how can Mike say yes to more? Now, some of you are like, I, dude, I can put some in my pockets. I can, I can put one in my mouth. I can put it under my armpits. Like, we get creative, right? But wait a second. Mike's standing still. Mike's got to go to work tomorrow. 
And work might look like running a lap around this room. <laughs> work might look like running a lap around this room, but then Karen from work gets in his way spiritually, and now it's a hurdle. So I can start putting hurdles out here. Mike's got to jump hurdles tomorrow. And he's got to do that day in and day out. Jump off the stage, run around. You don't have to actually do that. How effective is Mike going to be at holding all of these important things when he has to begin to get to work, do it, live in his life? On your best day, you're barely holding it. Am I right? On your best day, you're going, oh, okay, God, just don't let me drop this. I feel like my family's slipping. God, I, I feel like my finances are about to drop. God, my career, oh, God, what are people saying about me? We, we feel so overwhelmed trying to manage all the things that we've got to hold on to. And then we, got, we, can't, we haven't even gotten through them all. There's more to go. And God's looking at us going, hey, I've got more for your life, Mike. I've got more for you. You fill in your name. I've got more for you. And, and yes, I, I mean, I could have bought 100 eggs. And I don't know how many Mike could hold. But I feel like, I know this as a pastor for sure. When I come to people and I'm like, hey, man, God's really put this on my heart. He's put you on my heart. Do you think you can do this? Can you be the person that leads this ministry? Most of the people, even the, the ones who love God and are like in, they're at, they're at a Martha level. I, I ain't got it. I ain't got it because Monday's coming. And I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm about to drop all of it right now. But I think, I think Liz has got it. Liz, do you think you can carry those eggs? <laughs> I actually, I think you can carry more than Mike. All right, let's try. Let's see how many you can carry. All right. All right, here we go. Now, now what's the difference? Now, hey, man, she's, she's got more than Mike. She must be a better person than Mike. She must be more skilled than Mike. Uh, God must have, God must have uh, blessed her more. Mike must have a, a worse background. He must have had a rougher childhood. Mike, there's a, there's a deficiency in Mike that he can't do what, what Liz can do. That's not true. That's, that's how Satan wants to operate in all this. When you begin to see other people and what they have, Satan loves to whisper in your mind, hey, Mike, you're not carrying as much as her. Why don't you just pick up? Because he wants him to drop these. He wants to see him ruin his relationships. He wants to see him crumble and give into an addiction or give into a he, he wants him to feel this pressure. So he's, hey, you got to keep up with her. And so he begins to add in. And begins to pile on. And then he knows that during the week as they're running their laps, he can trip them up. He can throw all kinds of curveballs at them. And it's the one who's, who's barely hanging on that's going to be the most depleted at the end. Let's just say Mike could run a bunch of laps. When he gets done, he's not feeling the, the joy of his salvation. <laughs> he's feeling the stress of trying to manage a lot of stuff. And I know I'm speaking to somebody here today. I know that this, is, this, is, this has got to be true of not more than, than just me. It says this in verse number 32 of the same passage that we're, that we're, that we're um, reading right now in Matthew. It says, these things, these things. I know you're feeling bad for Mike. I want you to feel bad for Mike. <laughs> I want you to feel bad. Listen, I want you to feel his pain. And I picked on Mike for a reason because I'm telling you, my heart breaks because I sit down with some of you guys and this is what I see. I'm telling you, as much as it's funny to make fun of him and, and laugh at this precarious position, Man, I, I look at some of you, and, and I know that this is how you feel week in and week out. And I know you're, you're this, and you're trying to run laps and jump hurdles. And you're going, God, I ain't got it. 
I can't hold this. I just dropped that one, and I watched it, I watched it get destroyed. God, I got another one slipping. I can't manage it. And this is, what, this is what that same passage that we just read where God said not to worry about what you eat, what you drink, all the things that you can get. He says this. He says, these are the things that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Those things that, that, that list, the things that they worry about, these are the things that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. And what he has, he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Maybe you grew up old school. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you learn to put first things first, what happens? He says, then he will give you everything you need. He will give you everything you need. And I, I think you, you have to look at the, prior, the way it prioritizes here. Because Satan is telling us, your job is to carry as many things as you can. Because it's a competition, is it not? I got to carry more. I got to do more. I definitely can't let some of those drop. I saw my brother drop one of those eggs. I watched my neighbor drop one of those. I can't be like them. I got to do better than them. I got to make sure I hold it together. And we look like this, trying to run our laps day in and day out. And so I want you to write this down. We give you those notepads for a reason. Don't just write down the things that you like that I say, the things that make you feel good from the Bible. Write down the things that kick you in the gut a little bit too, okay? I want you to understand this. We're not supposed to. This is, this is important. We're not supposed to get better at holding more things. This is the lie. This is how the world looks at it. If Mike was just a better manager, if Mike just could do more, if Mike had just had a better education, if Mike just had, had a better team around him, man, if he had better employees, if he had better spouse, if he had better this, then he could do better. And we look at people who do seem to have it, and we're like, well, I'm not them. And, and we'll talk about comparison here in a second. But we are not supposed to get better at holding on to more things. We're supposed to give everything to God, this carton, and then we get good at holding on to him. If this carton represents your faith, this is God. We're saying, God, I believe you can hold all of that way better than I can hold it. I only have to hold on to you. Do you understand how that works? What I, what I believe is very powerful is, as we look at how, what it would take for some of us to begin to give over the things that, and listen, these, I may have mentioned stuff that's trivial to you, but your eggs, the things that you're, you're caring about, that's a big deal. You wouldn't want me to make fun of it because it bothers you. It may be a health situation. It may be a financial situation. It may be some future plans. It may be all the things that, that, man, it matters to you. And God says that you can cast your cares upon him. He says that you can do this. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Now, those eggs aren't heavy. But when those eggs begin to have the names of the people you love on them, when these eggs begin to feel the weight that you actually are carrying day in and day out, and then you have to start running laps, man, they get heavy, don't they? And the stress of not being able to let anything drop, that begins to weigh on you more than the actual weight of the problem itself. But then it says, he says this, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and what will I do? Man, I'm going to take some of that off of you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow you to rest. He says, take my yoke, <laughs> no pun intended, <laughs> truly. <laughs> I just realized that just now. Take my yoke upon you. 
And he says, he says this, this is, that's, an old term, that's an old school terminology for how you would tie up oxes together. And they could plow together. And you could have a strong ox and a weak ox. And the weak ox could actually be yoked up with a strong one and get some, some extra work done. And so what Jesus is saying here, he says, listen, come to me who you are burdened. Yoke up with me. Take, take my yoke. I'll come alongside you. You know what I can do? I can begin to take this stuff off of you because you're not really equipped to run this race. And I'm going to begin to allow you to get released from some of this stress, allow you to find some freedom from some of this. And, he's, and then he goes on and he says, listen, he goes, not just that, I'm humble and I'm gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. I'm telling you right now, Mike, Mike's being a good sport, but he will rest when he does not have to carry these eggs anymore. There's something to be said. We're like, please don't let me drop one of these on faster stage. Please don't let me be the guy who makes a mess. Please don't let me be the one that does that. And as you feel, as you feel, um, I'm going to leave this one here for a second. As you feel that freedom that comes from giving God your burdens, it doesn't mean these things go away, by the way. It just means that you're allowing him to be the one that carries them. You're allowing him to be the one that says, hey, I got this. And when I said that he had God in his life, the backside of that God is religion. Because that's not what real faith is, cramming God into your schedule. It's just another egg. It's not a real relationship with him. Religion has always been man trying to reach up to God. And as long as your walk with God is just one more task, if you came to church today to check, check a box so that you feel better about your, your belief, your faith, you're doing it wrong. God isn't an egg for you to manage. God is the carton where you put your faith and say, you can do more than I can do. God, I trust you more than I trust myself. He says, I'm humble and gentle at heart. You'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. The burden I give you is light is something I want you to see real quick. To run a race, if I did have them run around, it would be a lot easier to manage this if they, when, when they have something like that, like the container, obviously. And I think God, God, God is very obvious. If you go to a church that tells you that there is not going to be any struggles, that if you just love God enough or do enough, it's all going to be great. Prosperity gospel isn't true. It doesn't, it doesn't work. It's not in the Bible. God actually says there's going to be a lot of hard times coming. It doesn't mean he won't bless you. God will bless you, and, and you might be blessed in a, in a way you really want, or you might be blessed in a way you weren't expecting. But the, the truth is, God says, listen, I know things are coming. I just want, I want you to make sure you hold on to me and not on to all of the things that the world tells you to hold on to. There's one more part of this illustration I want you to see. What about this? The Bible also talks about the parable of the, of the talents. And it says that he gave to one guy one talent, one person, two talents, one person, five talents. You know what they were responsible for? The stuff that God had given them and their faith in God. Well, Mike's only got eight. Liz has got 18. She is 10 times, or not 10 times, but she's, got, she's 10 better than, than Mike, isn't she not? And then we begin to feel this in our spiritual walk. If we're Mike, well, why did God give her all of those? And I only got eight. God God's clearly loves her more. You know what? If you're over this person... Why do they only have eight to manage? I've got 18. For crying out loud, God, I, man, why do I have all this burden? I, I'm telling you, I have these conversations with people all the time. God says, listen, do not worry about what other people have. Worry about the fact if I'm in your life or not. Martha, it's not about all the tasks. You're missing the big point, Martha. The big point is, what are you doing with me? Not how many eggs are you actually managing, because it doesn't matter if she's holding on to 18 or he's holding on to eight. They're both holding on to one thing. They're both only holding on to the carton. 
Now, what's inside what, what God has gifted them with or what God put on their plate? If these eggs are problems, well, you would much rather be Mike, wouldn't you? But if these eggs are like responsibilities that might lead us to, well, I want to be. You don't know. It's day in and day out, good days, bad days, ups and downs. You're, one week may look like this. One week may look like this. The point is, can I juggle 20 more things? The point is, can I hold on to God? Can I grow in my faith? Can I be close to him? That is what faith is calling us to. That is what God is calling us to. And this is what Satan doesn't want you to think through. He wants you stressed out, carrying as many eggs on the verge of dropping them all as possible. Would you give Mike and Liz a round of applause for helping me out? And I know, man, I, I tried to see how many eggs I could hold last night. And I'm like, all right, Kaylee, come take these, come take these, come take these. And by the way, if anybody wants to come over to my house today for dinner, I'm having omelets. <laughs> pretty much all week. Um, but when we begin to lean into what it is that God has called us to throughout this series, I hope that you take away from the fact that Satan wants nothing more than to crush you, destroy you, break you. Satan and all of this stuff, the, de the deception, the, the depletions, the, the discouragement, the distraction, all the things that we've listed in this whole series, it's all meant to cause you to break down. What God wants is he wants you to break out. Satan is looking for that person to run out of gas, to give up on their faith, to say, God, I can't handle it. God, how many of you, and don't raise your hands, how many of you would say, I, I can't do it, God, I've already dropped some eggs in my life. God, I can't do anymore. I've already, look at, you don't understand the trail of brokenness that's behind me. My life, you can't, you can't help me, God. I, I give up, I quit. Satan loves to make us feel as if though whatever we have is not going to be good enough. And everything that we've done is too bad or too insurmountable. Because it's all deception, it's all mind games. When God says, I love you more than all of your brokenness. When God says, I left heaven to come to earth to jump into the dumpster fire that is your life, he's saying what God is doing and everything he demonstrates in Jesus' time here on earth, he says, I'm not afraid of all of your brokenness. I'm not afraid of all the eggs that you've dropped, and I'm not intimidated by all the eggs that you're carrying. Your life is not more than I can handle. And some of you, I don't, don't get lost in the illustration. Some of you, it may just be one egg that is just, it is so so heavy on you right now some of you you, you you you've got some faith but then you've got you've got this thing that you're not giving to god you've got this thing that i think god i can do a better job if i just hold on to it i know that i've done that i've given god that some of the things but then i pull one out and go god i'm going to take care of this one because this one is so important to me and maybe it's your family maybe today it's it's your finances maybe today it's it's your addiction. Maybe today it's, it's something I haven't mentioned at all, but you know the weight that it is putting on your shoulders day in and day out. And I, I don't want you to hear my voice. I want you to hear the voice of your Savior who says, listen, come to me. Put your, put your burdens on me. I died on the cross to take all of that. I've got a better plan for all of those things. And the things, when I, when I, had, I had a couple more that I wanted to give to Mike, this is how God's looking at us. He's like, I, I don't, I'm not asking you to try to juggle more. I've got more for you than you could ever imagine. I just need you to hold on to me. God is an endless container. He can hold all the eggs. He, he's going, I'm going to give you as you can handle it. And, and here's how God works. He only gives you what you can handle. And some of us haven't ever seen it grow more because we've never given it back to God. He gave you a talent and then you hoarded it. 
He gave you some money, and then you hoarded it. He gave you a family, and then you hoarded you, you, You're just, ah. You're like Gollum from, from you know, Lord of the Rings. Precious. And you don't give it to God because somehow God's going to take it from you. God's going, listen, I'm not taking it from you. I'm helping you prioritize it in, along the line of your faith because I can now give you more as you begin to turn things over to me. As you begin to release things to me, I can give you more. You can't handle what I can give you is what God is saying. And you're going, yeah, I can't. Cause, yeah. In your own power, you can't handle. And God knows that. And that's why some of you haven't got it. And what God's saying is, as you learn to give that back to me, as you learn to trust me, what if you let me be the one that shows up in your workplace? Why don't you let me be your mouthpiece? And you stop saying what you think you should say, and you start saying what I put on your heart to say. And all of a sudden, your speech changes. And all of a sudden, the kids in your class or the people in your workplace, they're like, something's different with her. Something happened to him. What if you give over to God the thing that's scaring you so much? What is, instead of worrying about that thing that's not going your way, you said, God, I know you've got something bigger for me. The Bible says this in Psalms 119, 105. It says that your word is a lamp to my feet. I'm so, I'm so dark. I'm, I'm so lost. I'm so, I'm so struggling in this moment, Pastor, to even know how to go forward. This is why we try to encourage you. Because all, all the things I'm saying, you want that relief, but you don't know what to do. And your situation's so unique, there's no way I could ever verbalize it and, and illustrate it to, to, to your specifications. But I know that God has a plan for you in his word. That as you draw close to him, he said he'll draw close to you. He says, he says my word, this, this guidebook I've given you, is to keep you from that breakdown that Satan wants and to give you that breakout that I have for you. And I'll guide your path. I'll help you know where to go. And by the way, I'll tell you which eggs you don't need to pick up. Now, that one's rotten. It looks good, but it ain't going to do nothing for you. Let that one go. I got something better for you. And God will direct your path as you stay close to him. That's why I try to encourage you. Don't just make Sunday morning the only time you, you, you look at some verses. Read your Bible every day. You don't need me to pray for you. You need to have your own personal walk with God. You need to pray. Why don't you, you know what? The Bible says there's, a, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Why don't you jump into a connect group and say, God, uh, help me make some friends that will also help me be better at, at, at holding on to you because I need some people to encourage me to hold on to you, not all what the world is encouraging me to do, which is ignore you. There, there's so many things that, that, that you just need to say yes to, and it, it all starts with your relationship with God. And if you're going, I, don't, I really don't know that I can, I can do that, you just need to understand that you can't serve two masters today. If you walk out of here not doing it, then you just have to own it. You, don't, you may not want to, but you have to own it that you are the one that you're trusting. You're the God of your life. And Proverbs says this, trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord, not trust in yourself. Trust in the Lord. And you put, you, you put your trust in God with all of your heart. And you don't lean on your ability to understand things. Then what he'll do, if you begin to seek him, he'll show you which path to take constantly i don't know what to do i don't know what to do i don't know what to do that's all of us and god's like you want to know what to do put me first seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness above all else when i say god you first you're the carton i, I care more about holding on to the carton than all the eggs that the world tells me i have to grab onto i'm going to trust that god you'll grow my carton or shrink my carton as you need it 
as you see fit in my life, as your plans for my life allow, I'll allow you to grow and shrink me. And I trust that as I give back to you, you give me this, I give it back to you. It's 100% yours. People are like, oh, you know, like, oh, you're, it's a tie thing. No, 10% is not what God gave you. He gave you 100%. All of your money comes, goes to him. All of your talent goes to him. All of your family goes to him. All of your possessions go to him. You don't become stingy. You don't become uptight. You don't become this person that's stressed because you're going, God, everything you've given me, I just give back to you and I'm just going to, let, I'm just going to trust you. And if I have to jump a hurdle, you're going to keep me safe. And listen, I don't say that lightly because some of you are going through some dark valleys with lots of hurdles right now. And the point of your faith isn't that you can make sense of it all. It's that when you trust God, he directs your path. You don't have to figure it out. That stress, that depletion, that running out of gas that Satan wants for your life, that's not from God. But it comes back to who you're going to trust today. Will you pray with me? God, we need you. We need you to show up in an amazing way today. God, would you help us let go of all the things that we're trying to to hold on to, all the things that we're trying to get better at. We want to be better at, at having more things and handling more things, but God, let us get better at holding on to you. God, we want to give you everything and then just get good at holding on to you and allow you to pick what's in our life. God, we need you so much more than we need all the stuff and all of the distraction that, that this world has to offer. We need you. Would you speak to us today? God, for the person that's under the sound of my voice right now, would your Holy Spirit reach into their heart and show them their need for you? More than their need for all the things and the, the, the distractions, all the things that they want or that they're told that they need to want, God, would you impress upon each and every one of us our need for you? And I have to believe there's some people listening right now that have never given you their life. They've never, they've never surrendered to you. God, if that's the decision they need to make right now, if that's the decision that they need, would you, would you help them know that they can just trust you, that they can find forgiveness in you, that they can, they can come to you and, and not only have have their past erased, but God, they can also have a future. They can have plans laid out that they can be close to you, that you'll direct their paths. God, help them know what a relationship with you looks like. Would you help them lean into you today? God, we thank you for the opportunity to know you. And God, I pray that some, of, some people would make that decision for the very first time to know you as a Savior, to know you as a Lord. God, for the rest of us in this room or that are listening that that already have a relationship with you, would you forgive us for the times that we try to take things back? We try to manage it on our own. God, would you forgive us for the times that we think that we can do stuff in our own power? Would you forgive us for the times that we succumb to the pressure, to the panic, to the stress, to the pity? God, to the anger. God, forgive us for allowing Satan to deplete us, to, to drain us. God, forgive us for the times that we weren't what we should be. We weren't loving the way we should. God, would you... Help us to walk out of this room excited to know you more and to stay close to you. It's in your precious and holy, holy name that we pray all of this. Amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and around the world, you can visit harborchurch.com give or text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening. See you next week.